0: all right welcome to peeps creek the cafe where we serve you delightful slightly intense but definitely worthwhile conversations a podcast focused on bringing people together by drinking listening and conversing so grab your favorite drink and let's see what's on today's menu all right people welcome to peeps creek the cafe you are on episode 50 entitled catfish to death we are going to talk about another little crime True crime that occurred, but you know, here at the cafe, we always have a conversation center around a drink. And today, I'm drinking on some water, boom, 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 nice and ice and cold. And I also, since we're going to be spilling the tea on crime, I figured we can have some good lemon lavender tea on this particular episode. So I'm going to go ahead and pour me some good old tea up in here. We were out last week because I just had entirely too much work. I couldn't buckle down to actually do an episode. So I'm back this week. And so again, episode 50, it is called Catfish to Death. So I know many of you on social media have had this experience where you have had some random Joe Smo send you a friend request, right? And actually be your friend. You like, who the devil is this person? So normally what I do, and I think a lot of people would do is look and see, okay, who are we mutually friends with? Like, how did you find my information? Like, did someone tell you to look at me? Did you Google something and then my name or my username popped up? Or is it just because you've seen a picture? You thought, okay, that person looks a certain way. So let me go ahead and click and say friend request? So I've received them. I've added people who I haven't known before, right? On social media platforms, but one thing that I'm very cognate of: if you don't have a profile picture, yeah, no, mm-mm, not going to approve you. Now, most of my several of my social media accounts are open, so that means people can just join whatever. But when people follow me and I go and look at their profile, and it's like a blank picture profile, or it's like two pictures on there, I block them. Like it looks like a scam to me. It just sounds scammy. It makes me itch inside, (laughs) so I block them because I don't have time for that. Or people who friend you, random people who friend you, and then they have all these posts about making money, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, Uh, nine times out of 10, I'm going to block you, okay? Now, there are people out there that are less forgiving on that approach, and they add random Joe Smoes and they engage in full-depth conversations with these people, right? for various reasons. A, I mean, social media is fun, a fun way to meet people for some folks. others people are just lonely and feel like they need to have more friends. And so they add folks on social media for that purpose. Other people just do it because they want to get a kick out of making someone feel as if they're truly friends with you and they're not, right? So this is kind of what's going on in this particular case. So we are going to go down Under, down under, okay, in Sydney, Australia. Now, I would tell you, I would tell you that there are so many different versions. When I sat down and actually tried to do some research on this, some independent research on this particular matter, there's so many different versions about what happened, right? And so for those of you out there, you know, I'm doing the episodes on killer posts on Peacock, right? And Killer Post takes a perspective of this case, and quite frankly, they didn't let you know where this case actually occurred. One of the places that's pivotal to this particular case is a state park, right? So or a park. What Killer Post indicated was that it was a state park. But then when you start doing independent research, you realize this is not even in America. This happened in Sydney, Australia. Okay, now. We are going to talk a little bit about an 18 year old by the name of Nona I'm gonna mess up her last name. I apologize. Nona Belomesoff, Belomesoff, Belomesoff. It's B-E-L-O-M-E-S-O-F-F, okay? So, Nona um, was an avid animal lover. She was 18 years old. She loved animals. She really wanted to have a dream job of going out into the wild and rescue animals after graduating high school she was attending this summer program and i think the program was called work in the animal care industry is kind of what the summer program was for like many of the other profiles that we've talked about particularly when it comes to these social media cases she was known as a shy girl but still had her core group of friends they would chat all the time text message all the time she still had her core groups of, 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 of friends, but primarily identified as being a shy individual and one who was emphatically in love with animals. I mean, anything dealing with animals, this is what she wanted to do. So how does this open up on Killipose? So Killipost opens up this particular case with the standpoint of folks are in the parking lot waiting on individuals to exit a bus right now. When you look in at the, the show, it appears as if this is like a high school trip, but as you get through, you realize that Nona actually had already graduated high school and was in the summer, I believe after graduating high school that she was working in this particular aspect of work in the animal care industry, where she was hoping to get her dream job of dealing and helping rescuing wild animals. So... Folks are outside getting on the bus. Loved ones are touching their loved ones, laughing with them, hugging them, things of this nature. And Nona's no parents are waiting for her to come. So you know they're waiting, waiting, waiting. They were hoping that she would be like in the front of the bus, but she wasn't, right? So they're waiting, and it was like, okay, well, you know, she's an eighteen year old. Maybe she's sitting in the back, snoozing, listening to her headphones, you know, chilling out, and just waiting for everybody else to get out. So. Everyone exit the bus and Nona does not come out. So her parents are, you know, getting a little worried, like what the devil's going on. They're trying to figure out, okay, where's Nona? Maybe we missed her. Did we, you know, was she in a group with someone else? Right. And so then they start asking people who also get off the bus. Hey, have you seen this girl? Like they showed her the picture. Have you seen this girl? Have you, you know, seen her the the bus with you? And people was like, no, we haven't seen it right now. The reason that she was on this bus is that she was engaged in this week long exercise training program where she was hopefully going to be able to get a job uh, in wildlife, helping with rescuing wildlife. But part of her training was to work a week with the trainer and then spend one overnight trip camping with the trainer so that she can learn the tricks of the trade. Right. So. She leaves and departs on May 12th, 2010 to go on this overnight trip. And then on May 13th, 2010, it's where her parents are in the parking lot looking for her, but she doesn't come. So, you know, maybe she missed the bus. You know, my first inclination was I thought this was a trip that they all were going on. When I say they, everyone on the bus. But apparently this was just a bus that, you know, sort of like a Greyhound or something like picked them up, took them different places, or maybe it was a city bus. I don't know, but it doesn't appear as if these individuals were connected with, interested in, or associated with the program that she was going in for the overnight trip, they text her, no, no response. So they pick up the phone, they call her, it goes straight to voicemail. So that, that gets, you know, any parent, you letting your child go off. In my understanding that this was the first time that she was going on an overnight camping trip without any kind of family member, so without her family there, they went on this camping trip, or she went on this camping trip as part of her training. So what they decide to do is, okay, let's let's contact right the organization that she was going with, right? So they call. She called the organization. She and the mom called the organization that Nona was going to be a part of this training, right, with the hopes of becoming. A new recruit for the position. So she calls and she gets this do do do. The W is no longer in service, right? So th- the phone number that she has for this particular organization is disconnected. So this is this is alarming. First of all, we just we just let my, our our little girl go on this campus trip the day before, right? For this organization that is allegedly preparing her for her dream job of dealing with wild rescue. The 13th comes, the parents are outside waiting for her to de-bus or exit the bus, right? I was going to say deplane, but it's not a plane. So when you get off the bus, what do you do? Debus. Anyway, you <laughs> exiting the bus, right? And She's not there, right? And then the organization that's putting this on, the phone number, all of a sudden, is no longer working. Now, what I don't know is whether or not the parents made any contact with the organization prior to Nona actually going to the event. My inclination is that they did not do that. And, you know, this is no dig or no disrespect to them. But sometimes, particularly in the early days of social media, one thing that you really want to do is do your due diligence and make sure that things that appear to be official appear to be on the up and up is actually on the up and up so do your due diligence contact the people find out you know who's in the organization who's who's going on this trip how many other people are are participating in the trip and I'm not saying that they didn't do this but at least as it was presented and based upon what I gathered from my own independent research of various sources and I told you I told you from the beginning that the various sources were all over the place right in regards to how they saw what happened so let's go back in time as as all of these episodes that i've been covering on the killer post they always start with the climax and then we we rewind back so we can learn a little bit about the people right so i already told you Nona was into the animals into doing anything that she could to protect the animals, rescuing animals, wild animals was her thing. That's what she wanted to do. That's what she was living and breathing. That's what she was doing in the summer after school to get training. And this is what she was hoping she was going to be able to accomplish once she finished her week training in this program. But so how does she even know about this? So here's how, right? So she's on Facebook, right? She's on Facebook and all of a sudden she gets a random friend request from a guy named Jason Green. Doesn't know him, right? Doesn't doesn't appear as if she knows anyone who knows Jason Green, right? Because when he did the friend request, there was no mutuals. Right? None of her friends was messing around and talking to Jason. They weren't going to have lunch or dinner with him, right? So she didn't know who Jason Green was. One of the reasons that she accepted the friend request is because he had a horse as a profile picture again okay <laughs> unless it's an organization and that picture represent what the organization does okay typically when someone has a random pick of nothing right it's for various reasons a they don't want you to know what they look like right hello catfish 101 b they full of bs okay or c they just odd weird and you, you need to do your little due diligence, right? She accepts Jason Green's frame request on Facebook and they immediately hit it off and start talking. Now, when I say talking, I mean chatting through Facebook Messenger whatever at that particular time, cause this was in 2010. I don't know if Messenger was up and running, but anyhow, they were either doing some kind of DM and situation where they were communicating with each other via the social media platform, Facebook. So, in the midst of that, I mean, very early on in them chatting, Jason realized, picked up upon that she had this love for animals and particularly horses, right? And so, he gave her the opportunity of a lifetime, right? And what he said was he wanted to know if she was interested in becoming a recruit, right, for this organization. An organization was called Wildlife Rescue Unit where she would be able to work in the field, out in the wild, helping rescue wildlife. And he was purportedly part of this program where he was responsible for identifying and recruiting and training individuals to come into this program. So he reached out to her, talked to her about it. And he asked if she was interested in this particular training. And and of course, I mean, look, I just graduated high school. I know exactly what I want to do. What I want to do is wildlife rescue animals, right? So how awesome is it that as a young 18 year old that you receive a a request to do something that you really love doing now and you know in your heart of hearts, that's what you really want to do. And that's what happened in this particular case, right? So Jason said, hey, I can offer you the dream job of a lifetime, right? Become a recruit for the wildlife rescue unit. Okay. And I will get you through your one week training, right? So we'll do some day trips throughout the first week. The last day of that trip of the training is an overnight camping trip. You know, just to assess your abilities, make sure that you're able to do what you need to do to her credit. At least as presented, she didn't just take his word in the chat messages. She went online and saw that there was a reputable website for this organization. And it, it seemed as if they did exactly what Jason claimed that they were doing. And so she was super duper excited. And in the vein of that excitement, you know, she. Basically was asking her parents. Can she go right now? The parents never met Jason, right? But because she was able to show the messages that he sent her about the training about the Organization and pull up the rep website and give an effect that she was super ecstatic and excited about it Her parents were initially iffy because they didn't know anything about this Jason green person, right? but at the end of the day you know, she was eighteen. And they felt that she can handle herself, and they felt like she did her due diligence and research and organization. And so, ultimately, they said that she can go. So she was super duper excited. And leading up to the first day of training, she and Jason constantly chatted through Facebook. So it was obvious, at least it appeared, right? Because she didn't see what he looked like yet, right? because he still got the the voice profile, but the personality that she Received from the messaging on Facebook, I think it was evident that she was not just excited about the fact that she, she was going to be doing this training and possibly doing her dream job. She was also excited about the fact that she was going to be meeting Jason for the first time, who she developed in a short, very short period of time. I mean, less than a week and have this relationship through Facebook, through messaging, and she wanted to be able to. However, she imagined him in her head. She wanted to be able to see if that was him and hopefully it would be him. So anyhow, in the process of that, before the training, as I, I mentioned, she was doing a lot of texting or chatting with Jason to the point that it was becoming obsessive. I mean, to the point that she was canceling on her plans with her friends because she wanted to make sure that she was at her computer at night so that if he communicated with her, she could communicate with him. Now, obviously. This is 2010. This before we had unlimited cell phone plans, this before every app was available um, on your cell phone. So she probably was tethered to her computer in an attempt to make sure she didn't miss any messages from Jason, right? So she canceled all of her plans with her friends as a result of that. So she begins her training. She goes on the first day, she drives out, she comes back. And according to the parents, she didn't talk much about the training. She didn't tell them as much as what was going on. She came in, she left early, she came late, she went to sleep. That's kind of how this training unfolded. They did these, these five days, I believe it's five days back and forth, back and forth day, day trips. Right. And ultimately, as I stated, it was going to culminate in an overnight trip. Now, we're going to step back to where the parents have not seen her right on the 13th because they were there. And so they began communicating with the police in an attempt to find the daughter. So ultimately the police receive information about the phone number for the actual organization, the actual wildlife rescue unit. So they called them up and was like, okay, can you all tell us a little bit about this program that you have when you're training people? And then there's a camping trip overnight. And the program was like, bro, we don't do that. That is nothing we do. Like we do not have overnight trips. We don't do them with children, the kids, particularly teenagers. We don't have any kind of training program like that. Okay. And so now what the cops want to know is okay, fine. You don't have that. So now tell me, what can you tell me about your employee, Jason Green? So the organization goes through, begin to do their due diligence and look for personnel records for Jason Green. And then they come back and say, look, bro, we, we don't have a Jason Green here. Okay. He don't work here. He, he never worked here. Okay. So they have absolutely no record of there ever been a Jason Green employed by the Wildlife Rescue Unit. So this was shocking not only to the parents, but for the police, right? Because this meant, okay, something is amiss here. Now, there's one or two things that could be at play. There could be foul play, or there could be, I'm ready to move on because I've met Jason. He's teaching me about wildlife. And so I want to start a life with him. So it could be a voluntary missing person, right? So we're grappling with that, with those two things. And so in the process of that, what the police begin to do is try to find out as much information as they can about this Jason Green. But when they go to look on Facebook and things of that nature, right? The only thing that they know about Jason Green is that his name is Jason Green, right? There's no pictures of him. They have absolutely no pictures of him. They have no photos of friends that he's associated with. They have no information, personal information about where he lives, any of that, right? So they don't have anything on a Jason Green. So the next plausible thing is let's start to look at records of Nona, right? So they pull records of Nona, particularly her bank statement. And they see that someone withdrew money and left about $8.40 in her account, right? So the police, again, are thinking, okay, well, maybe she just voluntarily decides she wants to run away, like and start a life over. So the police are grappling with did she withdraw the money voluntarily so she can start this life with this person who she met. And obviously, there was some kind of connection with right. So they have to begin doing other things in order to assess or to assess that they have to begin pulling surveillance to see okay who is it that is withdrawing this money okay is it nona or is it someone else so while they are tracking down information relating to the facebook profile of Jason, what they try to do is do an ip address search right and we'll talk a little bit th- about that in a minute and then information about the surveillance in regards to the, to the ATM transaction, because it was an ATM transaction from her bank. All right. So they asked to speak with one of Nona's friends and one of Nona's friends name is Kathy. So Kathy comes in and she talks to them about the training. She explained that Nona was super duper excited about it. She met Jason online. They talked about horses a lot. She was happy about the potential of the job. Kathy knew more about the day trips than the parents, right? Because Nona would speak with Kathy about the day trips. And so they were going particularly well for the most part, but Nona did tell her about this one particular experience that was kind of freakish to her, right? And she, she thought it was a little odd. And the words that they use is that Jason attacked her. Okay. So how it starts off is that. They're on one of their day trips for the training. They're in the park. Nona is walking in front of Jason. Jason is behind her. Jason comes up, place uh, some kind of sheet or pillowcase over her head, right? Pins her down. Now in now here's where we have a difference, right? On on pillow post, it's the pillowcase over her head, some kind of blindfold, and then push her down like to the ground, right? Now when you do some independent research, the facts are a little more egregious than that. It's more so blindfolded, pinned her down, put her arms behind her back, tied it. And at one particular instance, it was like he was hitting her, right? Okay. Now, Nona was screaming and fighting and that freaked Jason out, right? And ultimately, Jason let her go. Now, we'll talk about how that plays out in what Jason says. But from Nona perspective, she was a little frightened, but what Jason told her was that this was a test, right? You have to be able to have self defense. You need to be able to defend yourself if you're out in the wildlife and something happened. So I wanted to make sure that you were able to do that. That's just part of the training. Now, Nona thought I was odd. Nona thought I was weird. And Kathy was very concerned. Kathy was telling her, you shouldn't go back. Something is odd. That just doesn't seem right. Why would you need self-defense to rescue animals? I, I can understand if they're teaching you mechanisms to deal with animals attacking you, but an animal isn't gonna run behind you and put a pillowcase over your head and tie your arms up behind your back. Most animals don't know how to do that, right? So that just seems a little odd. I think maybe you shouldn't go back because this just seems fishy. But Nona was insistent because she was almost close to the of her training. If she didn't finish this training she wouldn't be able to get the job the overnight camping trip was the completion of that trip and she wanted to go and ultimately she went as i i mentioned the police was pulling the ip address information for the jason green facebook profile now we talked about i've talked about this before about how you need to try to if there's an attempt to try to get records like your text messages and things of that nature there's a protocol that you have to go through and I, I was remiss in not actually saying what the statute is, but federally it's called the Federal Store Communications Act. And so it requires government entities, law enforcement officials, when it comes to the part of a crime or to prevent a crime, there are certain things that they have to do in order to get your information. They can't just go up there and be like, Hey, we need this information, right? There are, there are procedures in place within that federal statute that requires a subpoena from a judge with particular things outlined exactly what they need, and there are date constraints that comes with the the subpoena and how they go about doing it. Okay, and if you try that, as I mentioned before, if you try to sue someone and try to get their their records and try to do a subpoena, is different. What you're capable to get, if at all, is going to be drastically less than what you would be able to receive from a criminal aspect. Right, if there is a criminal case ongoing. Now, there has been pushback recently by many carriers about protecting the privacy of individuals, even in the light of a crime, right? And so organizations are putting in place internally their own processes where they don't hold that information, right? So they won't be able to 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 retrieve much substantively because the information is encrypted and they don't have access to the password to encrypt them, basically, right? So that's the process that they have to go through, through Facebook and you can look at on your social media platforms. You can look to see what that social media platforms protocol is with respect to responding to subpoenas, both civilly and criminally. And you should do that. You should also periodically request your own personal information from these social media platforms because they're, they're, All of them should have in place a procedure protocol for them to disclose your personal information to you now. Some of them may say that they can't disclose everything because they don't have access to because it's encrypted. But I think it's incumbent upon individuals who are using social media to know how your data has been used. How are your pictures being stored? Who has access to them outside of you and the select few individuals that you allow to be your friends? Who at the organization can see what's behind the scenes and see your DMS and see your your messages to people? You should want to do that and you should request that data to be disclosed to you periodically okay because there are processes and place where you can do that and you should do that but anyhow the police were able to pull out the information for ip and a physical address for jason green but hello we should know this because i said the title was called catfish to death right jason green don't exist at least the IP address and the physical address didn't have a Jason Green, instead, it was assigned to a Christopher Danovic, that is D-A-N-N-E-V-I-G. And his middle name is James. Okay, so the IP address and physical address that's tied to Jason Green's Facebook profile actually is associated with Christopher Danovic. All right. And Almost simultaneously with obtaining the information about the IP address, the cops were able to pull the surveillance from the ATM withdrawal, right? And lo and behold, it's not Nona who's coming up to withdraw this information. It's some random guy, disheveled looking guy, obviously trying not to let the camera see his face when you position, when they show the ATM footage of him retrieving it, but obviously he had the pin number, right? So the police goes, they go. They go to Christopher Denevick's house, knock on the door and say, Hey, are you Jason Green? And the guy was like, no, I don't know Jason Green, right? And it was like, well, it's weird basically because the IP address and the physical address is for this location, for this Facebook profile. Now, prior to them arriving, however, the police were able to speak with Nona's best friend, Kathy, once again, and Kathy disclosed to them that she knew who Christopher Danovic is not physically or personally, but she knew that Christopher Danovic and Nona had sparked up this online relationship not too long ago where Christopher and Nona were speaking almost daily, communicating through instant message on Facebook with one another. And then all of a sudden he just went radio silent, radio silent. Christopher just went radio silent, silent. And Nona was hurt by this situation. Almost a week later, this Jason Green guy shows up, right? So the police goes to the, to the guy's apartment and they just decided to do by a hunch and say, let's push him and see what he knows, right? So, so they asked him, if you know Nona, he said, no, if you don't know Nona, then how is it that you were able to pull money in her account? Okay. Then his story starts to get a little flames. He was like, okay, okay, okay. I don't know her. I found her card on the side of the road. And her wallet on the side of the road and in the wallet was her pen number. And so I took the wallet and the pan and I went and withdrew the money, right? So all of this is fishy, but at the time the police don't know whether Christopher is Jason or if there are truly two different individuals, maybe Jason and Christopher are in cahoots with one another, right? So they arrest Christopher for, for bank fraud. And so he's arrested, he's brought down. And so as they are questioning him, he's pretty silent. And so ultimately the cops decide, okay, something is fishy, right? Maybe we're looking at this the wrong way. Instead of looking at two different people, what if Jason and Christopher are the same person? So they go back into an interrogation room and lo and behold, ultimately Christopher admits that he's Jason, right? He started off as Christopher benefit, right? He, he had a picture of this handsome guy on the profile. They, him and Nona sparked up a, a friendship through Facebook, through the communication. He really wanted to meet her, but at the end of the day, he didn't look like the picture he put up there because he looked sloppy. He was bigger, just disheveled, looked like he didn't take a shower in weeks. Right. And so he decided there has to be another way for me to meet her. So he came up with this plot because he knew that she liked animals. And so he decided that he was going to be Jason Green. So he stopped talking to her as Christopher Denevich. Shortly thereafter, he comes in as Jason Green. And that's how he gets to meet her because she doesn't know how Jason Green's how Jason Green looks, right? And so he he goes about the plot that particular way. And so he doesn't truly tell them what happened right but what he says is is that for instance with the half the whole aspect of the attack when they went on the one of the day trips He didn't say what his intentions were, but he did say that, you know, when he did that, he got freaked out because she was fighting so tough. And so he came up with this whole scheme that this was part of the training for self-defense. And he knew that Nona was a little iffy and, and probably would not come back. And so then he came up with this other scheme to say, look, I can get you more money as part of the training and I can get your money faster if you gave me your bank information. And so he convinces Nona to give him her bank information, the card information, give it a card and give it a pin so that he can get corporate to transfer money into her account quicker than it would be by her waiting for a check. So that's how he gets her ATM card and her pin. And ultimately when they go for the overnight trip, something goes amiss between the two. We really don't know what happened. The theory is is that Jason, well, technically Christopher, made a pass at Nona. Nona was not receptive of that. But what we do know is that Christopher claimed that he got angry. He pushed her. She fell back, hit her head on a rock. She didn't die as a result of that. But he was angry from rejection because, you know, the way that I saw it and viewing it is that Nona represented every female who ever rejected him. And the anger that he had within about that rejection was at its boiling point when this girl who he communicated with and two from two perspectives as Christopher Danovic, they develop a relationship online. Right. And as Jason Green, they develop this relationship through the communication online. And here you are going to fucking reject me. And so it was a boiling point for him. And so what he did thereafter was apparently he grabbed up her neck and choked her and put her into the creek until she stopped moving and was no longer breathing. Right. And he said it was because he did that because she led him on. Right. How could she do this to him? Like there was no reason for her to reject him like that. And he was not going to take rejection anymore because girls like Nona are the type of girls who do this to guys like him all the time, right? So it's the woe is me syndrome. And because I feel so sorry for myself and because I feel like so many people are not into me, I get to do X, Y, and Z to these people. And that is BS, like that is improper. It's so annoying. If someone doesn't like you, they don't like you. Like it is what it is. You you live to see another day. You move on. You pick your you pick your head up and you move forward, right? But he could not do that. So he took this young lady's life as a result of that. And so he was ultimately charged with first degree murder. He. Was sentenced to 21 years. Now, Killer Post says 27 years. But when I did my review of information, I was able to find 21 years. He was sentenced to 21 years in prison for this. And, you know, her family, her family, known as family, is without their daughter right now. Right now, while he was re- waiting for his trial, he did send a letter to like this journalist to try to explain away his behavior. Basically, he had a bad child life. People reject him all the time. He was beaten when he was young. He didn't eat this, that, and the third. He grew up so bad, blah, blah, blah. Okay, get it. We all have shit in our closet. But that don't mean, like, we're going to go and kill people as a result of that, right? Those those things don't necessarily connect and neither are an excuse for the behavior that you exhibit with this individual who, by the way, you were smart enough and conniving enough, right? To establish a relationship as Christopher Danovich, catfished her in that regard, when you really wanted to meet her and knew that you didn't look like the picture that you put on there, because you look like crap, right? Then you decide to come up with another scheme to get with this same individual. And use the fact that you knew that she loved animals as a weakness of her, right? To get her in this position where you can have your way with her. But when she put up a fight, you decided that the only way out was to take your anger out on her and kill her. I mean, it's just stupid to me. It makes absolutely no sense. It's asinine. And quite frankly, I don't even know why he was out on the streets. Prior to that, he was on parole, right? Because apparently he attacked this 15-year-old girl while she was on the trail, put a knife to her throat, or what have you. And but for the fact that other people were there and and protected her, you know, maybe that would have ended in a bad situation he only served six months in jail for that instance and he was on parole so you know sometimes we gotta think about how we deal with individuals who you know maybe he had mental health issues but letting them out ain't the reason right i've dealt with people who have mental or at least they claim to have mental issues and i felt like they used that as a crutch they used that As an excuse to behave inappropriately to do whatever they want to do and act like they don't remember the fucking next day after right um no you don't get to do that especially when you're an adult he was 20. you don't get to do that you make decisions you make decisions in your life those are decisions that you're gonna have to live with yes we all make mistakes yes we do things that we didn't mean to do but your actions have repercussions and quite frankly in the criminal justice system they have major repercussions and it is what it is like I felt like they should have had him in jail longer for the 15 year old girl like come on bro like that's 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 the stream but nevertheless he was out he was on parole he catfished Nona to death and she's no longer here so yeah so that's the episode episode 50 that is catfished to death Christopher Danovic is the individual who is in jail for the murder of Nona? I spelled her name earlier. I can't pronounce it. So, until next time, make sure that you like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube. Make sure that you leave us a comment on Apple Podcasts. Podcast. Listen to us wherever you listen to your podcast. And I know it seemed like I'm like in and out. It's just that it's early in the morning, and I haven't had coffee yet. <laughs> But I wanted to get this recorded before I started work. So that is the episode, episode 50 here at Peeps Creek. Until next time, continue to drink, listen, and converse. Ha! Peace and love.